The Live Review Project was our last best hope for news. A self-contained podcast two hours long, located in neutral territory. A place of nonsense and innuendo for forum dads, community members, and developers. A shining beacon in space, all alone on a Tuesday night. It was the dawn of the third chapter of Elite. The year's space legs came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Lavian stations. The year is 3307. The name of the place? Lave Radio. Commanders, and welcome to episode 332 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Leet and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defire, and joining me in the orange sidewinder bar for this episode, we have our Commander Shan. Hello. We have our Commander Souverine. Uh, uh, hello. Yes, I'm here. <clears throat> okay, excellent. And we have Commander Ed Levice, otherwise known as Ben Moss Woodward. Oh, yeah. Uh, God help us all. Yep, if you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out in game. I do believe Ben's flying around the Sirius system at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Sirius. Mm-hmm. I probably will be joining him later tonight. But if you can't get to us in game, you can join us in the Twitch chat channel, which you can go through laveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat. Go to Twitch TV slash live radio. Go to YouTube and live radio and go to Facebook and live radio because we're streaming everywhere. So apart from that, Ah, we'll go around the crew as usual and see what they've been up to for the last week. So we'll start with Ben this week. How are you doing? Doing okay. I'm I'm still dealing with family issues, and I finished watching One Division, which I really enjoyed, and I, I've discovered that Twenty Four is on Disney Plus, and I haven't watched that for so long. So I am now I'm remembering. You know, all the all the number of times that Kim Bauer manages to get abducted is amazing. And then game-wise, same as the past month, I guess. You know, Elite, Star Citizen, RimWorld. Uh, I did bump into a rather nefarious commander in Star Citizen last night who was uh, a certain besieger, shall we say, who was doing his usual tactics in Elite, but in Star Citizen. So that was interesting and fun to see, I suppose. He can't do those tactics anymore in Elite. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> and with that evil cackle, we'll move over to Souverine. Hi, hi. Uh, I've had a great week. I've been working, but it's been brilliant and really fun. I've continued my unofficial recruitment of all the Lave Radio listeners into Total War Warhammer players, and we recruited Kinetis to our little community. 
the other day, who was a lovely, lovely man. And I had a really interesting conversation with him in which he said that he really likes listening to Lave Radio and he puts it on in the kitchen while he's cooking. And, and his wife and his daughter find it a little bit odd, but but they they humor him. And I was like, oh, it's uh, hope you don't mind that we swear a bit. And he was like, oh, it's all right. And I'm like, I'm the one that does all the swearing, aren't I? <laughs> and he said, yes, yes, you are. Yes, I haven't told my wife that you're the one that I'm playing this game with. <laughs> So I'm sorry, Kinetis, if you're listening for for rending the delicate tapestry of your marital life. And Mrs. Kinetis, if you're listening, I am terribly sorry. And I, I hope your daughter... Souverine, shut the clock up. <laughs> ben and I played a game of EDRPG with uh, Wishblend and ZQ, I think his name was, or ZX. And it was super fun. Really, really good. Yesterday, I actually, I was invited to do an interview on System Chat, which is a new podcast from Boss Lady B and WK Jez. And it was lovely. It was really fun. We talked about uh, a load of stuff. Uh, and Nick Webb was there, who is uh, one of the um, the leaders of the SPVFA and our head video uh, person at um, Sag- Sagittarius Eye. And um, we discussed content creation and Odyssey and uh, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, that is a really good new podcast, by the way, System Chat. They're really great hosts. And that brings us to today, effortlessly. Okay, Commander, Commander Shan, how are you? I'm not bad, thank you, Colin. <laughs> what I've been doing this week, I am officially vaccinated now. Yay! Which is quite a surreal experience, really. Because you know when you go to the doctors and everyone's very sour-faced and, like, sitting quiet and, mm-hmm. you know, quietly flipping on Coughing. their phones and, yeah, all that sort of stuff. But actually, it was, there was a semi-party atmosphere at, the vac- at my vaccination centre. And I, I, I kind of don't know whether the nurses and the ushers and stuff have been to, like, Disneyland training, you know, where they have to put on a happy face and and stuff like that. But, yeah, there was a genuine happiness there to see you and see people vaccinated. And the whole, and the whole process was actually very enjoyable, so to speak, because, yeah, it was just a really, really different. So I enjoyed getting jabbed. Um, didn't have a lot of side effects. I just had a sore arm for a couple of days. And oh, I did throw up minorly that night, but no, it's it's been fine. So two more weeks, and I can be locked up again with the rest of you. Yay! Kind of. Now we are also being blessed by the King of Squee himself. We have Commander Crash joining us today. So Crash, if you can talk, please <laughs> let Greetings. us know what Ah, oh, I, I, everything and nothing to do with anything I want to be doing. I've just been cry, crazy, crazy mad. I'm so sorry. I'm late coming in here, guys. It's just, it's been nonstop. It's been nonstop for me. Um, I, I've not stopped working throughout the entire lockdown. It's just been uh, just a crazy, crazy mad rush all the way around. But uh, still managing to get the, the odd elite time in here and there, though. I did manage to get the stream in last week. We had a, a hyper analyze of the... Uh, of the video that was uh, put out last week. I'm sure we'll get mm-hmm. onto that soon, and we'll talk what about that. that uh, the, the, the Odyssey uh, gameplay, I want to say footage, but I mean, obviously, we all know it was curated and edited, but uh, yeah, it was it was good to see some in-game footage. So uh, yeah. I, I'm you know looking forward to it. Two but, commanders, uh, one power regulator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <we're. laughs> But yes, other than that, just been crazy, crazy mad rush trying to keep the uh, the, the cogs of industry turning. That is that is my life at the moment. <laughs> Excellent. Um, that just leaves me. Um, what's been happening to me this week? Oh, I don't know. Something about a fiftieth birthday. Ah, yes. Anyway, <laughs> you got some very. You did get some very nice things sent to you as well. 
Oh, yes, I know, but I was keeping them back for uh, a future episode. Even I wish you happy birthday, Colin. I know you wished me happy birthday, which was which was a pleasant surprise. The worst one, though, had to come from Commander Kaizen. I'm sorry, that image he sent me is going to be burnt in my brain forever. Is that, <laughs> yes. is that the one in his speedos? It's, uh, him and his friends in the speedos. Yes, that's that is yeah. They choreographed that for hours, though, Colin. I I, I, I know it's it's just. Uh, Anyway, I'll just take this opportunity to thank Commander Beetlejude for the items that arrived in the post today. Don't worry, everyone will see a picture of, of those these things later. Got too much to talk about today. So, <laughs> no, they were not pants. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was without pants. Oh, no. No, we're not going there. We are certainly not going there. I without pants. <laughs> right let's move on draw a line under all this <clears throat> and concentrate on the development news please stay on target so, stay on yeah stay on target so what have the devs said this week well first thing that's been happening is there's been a little bit of a twitter uh status announcement asking what the favorite mystery what your favorite mystery is in elite dangerous and we had a Wonderful picture of a massive Thargoid. Is that a Cobra or a Hydra? I think. Yeah, I no, but there's a there's a ship in front of the of the of the Thargoid, <laughs> and I'm trying to work out whether it's an Asp Mark II or a or it's a Crate Mark II. I, I do. Mark, I, yeah. no, it's a Phantom. It's a Crate Phantom. Sorry, I do enjoy that. Um, I do. I do enjoy that little exchange. Is that a Cobra? No, it's a Hydra. <laughs> You know, you would never mistake for each other. Yeah, I know. It's just sort of. Oh, never mind. Well, there was a little bit of um, Morse code attached to it, which um, attached to what the hydra? yeah to the the, the, the image on the image it came along with it, and and people have decoded that as Hesperus. So. That's the first bit that happened today. And then secondly, we got more Morse code at the start of Tuesday's stream. Now, these might be related to the azimuth biochemicals from the Adam Master mystery that happened earlier. Uh, well, was it, was it Halloween? Yes. I can't remember when it was. Uh, so, yeah. Yep. So that's quite interesting. Uh, so there could be more shenanigans going on. And um, some um, people have spotted that on the whiteboard with that was displayed with Bruce, there was Adamanster 2 marked on the board. How the heck these... Has people just basically blown that board up and tried to examine every single pixel? That's a Probably. great spot. Probably, yeah. You know what people are like. Yeah. So... Let's I would love a board like that. So, guys, what do you think this is going to be then? I think it's going to be another mystery, and I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. I would like a continuation of uh, of the great storytelling we've seen so far. And I like the fact we're doing it out of line, yeah, offline mode to get it to begin with. Anyway, it boils it down and means that we have to spend a wee bit of time getting there. It's a good idea as well, actually, because the the game can be very large and impenetrable. So actually, it, migrating a little bit of it onto the wider community around the game makes sense because it arguably makes these mysteries a little bit more accessible. Mm. 
Because if, if you know if a mystery is just broadcast from a listening post in one specific system, <clears throat> then a handful of commanders or no commanders will see that. Whereas if if it is signposted on social media beforehand, at least it does at least it does give a wider section of the player base the ability to cotton on from right from the get go. Mm. Something like this is going yeah. on. I, I, oh, I, know, I know the last weekend, last sort of mystery in inverted commas we had, you know, it was over before I'd finished work. Yes, that that mm. was a bit of a disappointment. That one. I'm not sure about it being done in that way, personally. Because I, I, can't, I can see from a involvement perspective, it's useful to have out of game and, and things like that. But it, it's almost like um, you're reading a book and then there's a little section in the book that says, for the next chapter, please watch us on Netflix. Or, you know, it kind of takes you out of the environment and then puts you back in again. So I, I think I'd rather it done in game, but take take a little bit longer than just have it dotted around social media and stuff. I understand why they've done it and I understand all the good things, but there's part of me that thinks I'd rather in-game stuff be contained entirely in-game. Well, I'm going to completely disagree. I think it's a fantastic idea that they're letting people know over social media because there are a few, quite a few people who uh, they don't check in with Elite Dangerous as much as they used to. And That's then problem. When, when they when they find out that hang on, there's something going on, that bring basically attracts them back in. They'd never know if it was attached to a beacon, would they? Crash. Welcome. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the idea of like ARG type stuff, like uh, just to kind of build up hype, get people interested and stuff like that. I I think the problem is for me is I've been so busy and disconnected that I've completely missed most of these kind of things anyway, in in or out of game. But uh, yeah, I get why they do it. It makes sense to kind of use it as a marketing tool and and raise some awareness and stuff like that. But I kind of, I I could swing both ways on it. I see where Sean's coming from, that it, it would be nice if it was something which players could work on that breadcrumb trail and find it themselves without having to uh, look at external things. But but hey, more the merrier. Hype's, hype's good. <laughs> hype's good, yes. Um, so what else has been uh, happening so far? Well, uh, obviously on the... Well, obviously on today there was a live stream, uh, Super Cruise News. Uh, the one part of the of news that came along with that is that our favourite person to mention as many net times as possible, Stephen. Stephen. Stephen, yeah, that's Stephen. Stephen! Yeah, um, he's moving on to be a community manager for another project within Frontier itself. So we would like to thank and wave goodbye to Stephen. Uh, uh, wave goodbye in, in a fish dancey type way. He's steaming <laughs> on to Stephen's new. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, uh, it's a bit of a shame to see him go because there's now not a CM I can talk to about Square Sausage. But apart from that, you it, it, it is a thing. Look it up. I don't want to look up your Square Sausage, Colin. My sausage is amazing. Yeah. You want a bit of sliced sausage? How long, Hi. How long was Stephen in post? Was that 18 months? Yes, yeah, about that. And Will was in there eighteen months as well. So, so are you thinking that there's about a thirty, an eighteen month sort of well, life expectancy? 
Well, I'm just thinking, is being a community manager a bit like being Doctor Who? Because there's an unwritten rule that Doctor Who <laughs> don't last more than three seasons before they move on. So I'm wondering it's if... Not, it's not community... stop being his PM, though. He's just moving on to... Yeah, but he's in another galaxy. Yeah, he's moving on to another galaxy. If you're not an elite CM, you're not, you know... Go if you're not an elite CM, you're not yeah. anything. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> he's, dead to us. He's, he's dead to us now. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't even buy him a drink at LaveCon because he won't be allowed to come. I'm sure we'll allow to. Being serious at the moment, I'm, I'm not surprised they move CMs around a lot because it, it's, you know, it's a bit like being the mouth of Sauron, isn't it? You just kind of. Know. <laughs> what, about yeah, to be decapitated yeah. by the King by of Kings? Community. Yeah, it's just, you, you know, you, 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 you have to say what you're told to say and then. The, an angry mob of community comes along and lops your head off when you try and say it. So it's you know it's 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 quite similar to this. I say to the mouth of Sauron, and it's, it's I respect the people who do it because it's not a role I don't think that would suit me. <laughs> I, I think that is the truest thing I've heard you say for many months, Shan. Right. Well, I suppose we better touch on the big news then. Uh, f- on Thursday, uh, there was a stream uh, that came along earlier and earlier than usual, and we had Arthur and Bruce talking to uh, lead developer Gareth Hughes and shared an exclusive look at the mission pay, uh, at a mission playthrough in Elite Dangerous Odyssey. Now we're going to go into this into uh, a lot more detail in the in the main section of the show, uh, but the, the other piece of news that came with it, the Alpha. March the 29th. We are, I've got three Mondays left. How does everybody feel about how many, the Alpha? How many sleeps is that, Colin? I don't know. <laughs> I, I count Mondays just to get them, get rid of them. Interesting, they call it an Alpha, not a Beta. So presumably mm. what we will be playing on March the 29th will be extremely broken. So expect to be completely broken. I think that's what. We, they mean by calling an alpha, although Star Citizen is still an alpha, so it is. and it's also extremely broken. And we'll touch on one of the questions here. Actually, they did ask Gareth uh, what they were looking for from this alpha, and he did say that they, from his perspective, he's interested in player feedback on bounty, bounty levels, the economy, and and basically how the how things like the weapon balance is going to be. Uh, looked at. So it sounds like we've got the usual, um, right, this is our framework, but we can muck about some values to to tweak it, and they're asking our help to tweak those values, a bit like they did with the fleet carriers. Do you think that's worth an extra tenner? It depends entirely on your level, enge- level of engagement, tolerance for tolerance for playing something that's not finished yet. Uh, I, d- I don't think there's a, I think it depends on the, on the the on the person, really. And crashes and he's squeeing himself. <laughs> it's it, it is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, some early access games tend to go cheaper and then ramp up, and then other ones come in with uh, more of a Kickstarter style thing. To, you know, to get those earlier days, you need to pay more. I I honestly don't know what is best. You know, I think like like you said, it depends on your level of investment as an individual. Whether you feel like it's value well spent, it's entirely yours. I think. Has anybody else got any impressions about the the twenty ninth? Is anybody there not enthusiastic about it? Uh, I just want to have a public service announcement. 
being my usual helpful self. Um, uh-huh. Make sure you take the 30th of March off, not the 29th. <laughs> yes, that's, that is always true. Never play on patch day. I suspect that, well, at least they'll be while bringing the alpha servers up, and I would imagine they'll have a last-minute release, so they won't have just like, preloaded it the week before and just turn it on. I suspect they'll be uploading new builds and stuff the very morning they started up on the 29th. So, yeah, just expect it not to uh, too much playtime on the 29th, I think. Yeah. Uh, Crash? Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking of booking the week off afterwards, I think, because by the time I download everything on my tin can internet, it'll probably be a week later before I get to play anyway. But uh, yeah, I, it's going to be it's gonna be rocky. It, it, those kind of things always are. And I absolutely understand it. I'm practically in the same boat myself now. So uh, I can just say best of luck to the guys. It's uh, going to be an interesting time. Yeah. Um, I must admit, this does raise the uh, the spectre of how the uh, alpha was um, for us when we were uh, testing the uh, um, <laughs> the initial builds, especially the first pass at the multiplayer. Suve, uh, one thing I, um, I I get the strong impression that it will be a really really rocky build. Um, the I think there's I think calling it an alpha is quite deliberate um because they've always been beaters since 2014 in the past um and um and just from reading between the lines and things people have said I get the impression that um particularly because this is something that's been worked on while everybody's been at home I get I really do get the impression that this that that we should expect this to be a very very rocky build um and that our expectations should be calibrated accordingly Mm, I think that's actually some good advice out there. Um, Jean? Yeah, I was just thinking um, about what they've asked players to focus on. And it, it, with my Power Gamer hat on, when they say, um, tell us about the economy, that means to me is if I find a good way of making money, keep it quiet and hope it makes it through. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's... Already planning his exploits for everybody, are we? Right. Um, <laughs> just for clarity, I don't, I don't. I don't mean that the. I don't mean that the game won't be fun when I say that it will be a rocky build. I, I mean that. I just mean that it's probably going to. When we first get it, it'll probably be quite buggy, and will improve greatly afterwards. Is my point. A couple of things. First of all, the extra money is also includes access to music at the music and things like that as well. Okay, I so, thought you got that with the the standard one, but I don't think you do, and I think it gets you access to the music, and I think um, like an exclusive outfit kind of idea, as well mm-hmm. as you know, as well as access to the alpha. And secondly, we know from the stream today that what Stephen and Arf were playing on for their pre-alpha footage. Uh, was a very, very, very old build because apparently the, what they were they were actually playing on was a branch that was made a while ago and then locked off and like stay there and don't come off it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they ac- accidentally went off and came off at one time and everything had changed again. Uh, but apparently the build that they came off, sorry, the, the build they came onto kicked their butts even more than the build they came off. And the build they came <laughs> off 
they were also still getting their butts kicked. Um, hence, there were multiple reasons why that was in multiple takes. Part of it was they were getting their asses kicked so many times and they just couldn't do it. Which, frankly, you know, if you're going to have a mistake, I'd rather noobs going to be noobs and they're going to get their butts kicked <laughs> well, rather is... than game being broken. Uh, but also, there are some times when they, like, they tried to do things and the game was just broken. Right, uh, crashed. Uh, I, I can absolutely feel that pain. I, I, I'm feeling it right now. I know what they're going through. It, it's horrible when you're trying to do things. Multiple different disparate versions of internal yeah. builds. Because you know, we, we from the outside, we see one version of the game. You know, we don't we don't see uh, all of the things that are going on independently and have to bring all of that together when you've got a team of 100 plus people working on a product and everyone's got their own unique version running on their machine. It's such a nightmare to do. And I remember they had exactly the same problem back at one of the, the events I helped them with literally the night before we were trying yeah. to roll out different builds. <laughs> Can you remember, Ben? <laughs> yep, I remember. And, and for anyone listening, I mean, you're a developer, Colin's a developer, I'm a yeah. developer. You know, we, both, we all know that you can have feature A and it's ready, and then feature mm. B is ready, feature C is ready, feature D's, God knows what the hell's happening with that. Feature E, what was ready... Has been has had some kind of weird integration issue with feature A, and now the two the the two just don't work together for whatever reason. Exactly. And then yeah. you're like you're trying to just balance everything together, and sometimes it's easier to say you know what you know last sprint, and a sprint. I don't know how long frontier sprints are, but you know, last sprint uh, we sort of. Everything was vaguely working, and you know, so run off of that sprint here. But the actual build is about two months later. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, I was going to say another very helpful public service announcement um, for this show. Please remember, in all the comments that we're doing, we are talking about a pre-alpha build that, as you said, really old. So we can only comment on what we've seen, and what we've seen may not reflect the reality of what we'll be playing on the 29th. So if we're harsh about some things, we can only say it as we see it. So I'm trying to say that because there's certain comments and feedback that we've got on what we saw that will probably not be correct when we're on the 29th. Yeah, good disclaimer, that. That very good disclaimer, always useful. Um, right, so uh, for those of you who are interested, there are video stills and uh, a stream summary by Stuart GT. You'll find those on Reddit. Um, and there is also a Q&A, which, again, we will discuss in greater detail later. So I think we will move on to the in-game events and what has been happening in the universe of Elite this, this week. Um, so, on the 3rd of Mar March, it was reported that the superpowers were making progress at the Galactic Summit. Um, lots of minor deals being made left, right, and center. Uh, and then on the 4th of March, a new CG was, or two CGs were started. Uh, so the defense of the Galactic Summit was handled by the Empire this week, uh, with the usual attack the pirates. Uh, CG, but additional delivery requests for food into the Sirius system is also being uh, is also in progress. Um, I do believe at this moment of broadcast, uh, both CGs are still in progress. Shan, 
Yeah, I was about to uh, make a comment on the story about the Galactic Summit. Um, it probably would have been better if they had a a, a proper VIP die. Um, because if you remember your US Prime Minister, heads of state love a good state funeral because then they can get together and do proper work with no expectation of getting any deals done. The whole point of summits is to make a show of talking. So what they should have done was have a, a VIP snuff it and then all we'll get together for the funeral and then do all the announcements. Also on the 4th of March, the pirate, pirate warlord Akron Delaney has made an unexpected appearance at the diplomatic conference and demanded to participate as a political delegate and also as to be respected as an independent power. Now, this is quite interesting. I think he's speaking his truth. <laughs> speaking his truth, eh? Where did you get that from, I wonder? Now, the, the upshot of all this is, is that most of the pirates that we're dealing with in the CGs, there is a, a suggestion that they're his pirates. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. So he's at the... Uh, he's. They've given him diplomatic immunity for the moment. Uh, but... Um, Yes, we'll have to see how that unfolds. They might um, be his pirates, but I've been killing a lot of naughty truckers. Oh, you've been killing the truckers as well? Yeah, a lot of the people who have, are wanted and naughty are aligned with the hot orbital truckers, apparently. Just saying. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, I think we'll have to have a word with hot orbital find out what they're doing wrong. Very well place to try and fence your stolen goods though, isn't it, Hutton Orbital? I mean, it's not exactly a quick perk, is it? No. no. It's about the slowest buck you can get. Anyway, um, on the 5th of March, Jupiter Rochester, the CEO that's basically blew up Starship One, he has received the summary judgment for his multiple crimes against the Federation and got life in prison. Like that. Wasn't a trial, just straight in. That's it. You're a bad in, in jail. Wow, yeah, that's pretty it's pretty abrupt. Is that because mm. they abolished all the lawyers in <laughs> Justice Moves Fast in the future, yeah. Normally you thought it was the other way around. Normally Justice moved incredibly slowly in the Federation, wasn't it? It reminds me of the um of Denton Petraeus summarily shooting the whatever his name Half was. the Senate, yeah. <laughs> in, yeah, exactly. In January a couple of years ago. It reminds me a lot of that. Is that the end of him? Or do you think Jupiter Rochester's got another card up his sleeve? He'll rise. He'll rise again. Yeah, Jupiter rising. <laughs> Jupiter rising. Just like family is forever. Well, the Thargoid conflict was also discussed. It was discussed today at the Galactic Summit where a lot of people were, I think everybody except the Federation and the Empire said, yes, something must be done uh, and we're willing to put our hands in their pocket, but we need to get the big two to also splash the cash, to which they were very quiet. That sounds like every climate summit for the last 10 years, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it does. I mean, and, and that brings us up to date, actually. Uh, I mean, so far, this the, uh, this summit storyline has actually been quite interesting in the background. It's been quite nice to follow. Everybody's thoughts? I'm just waiting for a press release. Oh, they'll cut. Well, what will happen is you'll get the the oh, to mind that the, the president of the federation will walk down the steps and attempt to take mm. Arissa Duval's hand, 
and like grab hold of it and sort of walk down in a very Trumpian fashion. <laughs> so you're you're expecting stairgate or rampgate to happen quite ramp soon. Rampgate, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rampgate SG one. I enjoy this content. <laughs> By the way, can I just issue a correction from Stuart GT? Yes. Thursday's quick notes summary was done by Golgot, not himself. So thank you, Commander Golgot, for your notes summary, which we will probably be stealing from you later in the show. <laughs> so I think it's it's time for everybody's new favourite section. Score alert! that store alert 111 new anaconda ship skins uh, yes <laughs> otherwise known as anaconda icarus warning yes. don't ride too close to the sun <laughs> it's i don't know what's better the paint jobs or the puns it's just, oh, God. what I a know. time to be alive <laughs> Oh, Sue, you're just happy that you've got a whole jingle dedicated to I've got my own jingle, haven't I? <laughs> Again, thanks to JN Tracks from the Loose Screws podcast for for having the insanity to do that. You're a genius, sir. You're an absolute genius. Thanks to JN Tracks for sacrificing parts of his anatomy for that. <laughs> what, you mean being able to hit the high notes? I yeah, mean, exactly. that, that is... Yeah, that is quite impressive. I say what song played when Steve comes into the main hall at Lavecon and things like that. I, I really think it should be like you see the wrestlers, the boxers come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lights yeah. go down, the smoke comes up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm up for it. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we'll take a short advert break and we'll come back with, of course, a main discussion about the uh, live stream. That happened on Thursday. Want to tour the frontier? Travel with Colmac Reeve and our new fleet of passenger Starliners. We've opened up the universe for a range of budgets. Option one, luxury. My husband and I like to travel in comfort. The new luxury cabins were like a home away from home. After all, one's home is a castle. Option two, first class. We'd saved up a bit for a really special trip. First class cabins were like nothing we've travelled in before. Really luxurious. Option three, travel cabin. We would a trip with Cormac Reeves' monthly lotto. A travel cabin for two on a starliner around the solar system. Once in a lifetime for us, simply amazing. Option four, basic accommodation. Me and my mates just wanted to hitch around the universe. It's so great that we have the option of getting a really cheap cabin to see the sights. Saved us loads. And for the budget conscious and slaves, we have our cheapest option yet. Well, I needed it. And we won't sell any of those frozen passengers into slavery. I promise. Colmac Reeves All Budget Tours. 
Seeing the galaxy from luxury to freezing tubes. On the far side of the bubble. On the dark side of an airless moon. On the slightly more interesting side of a ravine. There lived the engineer. The engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier. And your gas tank really, really big. What do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, gumbuck, bait, bricklebag, soles, snook, snake, tang, wapu, wapagum, banjo, banga, snook, soul, shad, scat, come on by with the long nose cat, noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw, hooma, hooma, nuka, nuka, wapa, wapa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong commercial. Well, Fish, because, you know, space. And welcome back. Uh, we'd just like to dedicate the last advert to uh, to Stephen Benedetti, whose fish dance has now gone down in elite legend. So, <laughs> moving on to uh, basically what happened last Thursday. Well, um, <laughs> there was a live stream. And in that live stream, we saw basically the first gameplay footage of uh, Elite Dangerous Odyssey. So uh, I'm going to go around the crew, first of all, just to get their first impressions of what they saw. And uh, we'll start with Ben first. First overall impressions are it's got potential. Um, Lots of things had, you know, there's lots of fakery in it, but I understand why. This is an indication of things to come rather than taking this for gospel. There are lots of things in the video that made me want to cry, but there's also a lot of potential in there will be my my initial thoughts, shall we say. It was very clearly a work in progress because I am absolutely sure uh, Frontier would not release a game that looked like Mass Effect 2 um, in 2010. Um... I'm also asking myself why they didn't show anything more complicated than the simple pickup and whatever mission. I would have, I would have wanted them to show something a bit more varied rather than just a simple mission uh, at this stage. Um, conclusion, I, I'm really interested to see how far it's come um, on the 29th because, as I say, releasing that game as shown would be extremely disappointing. Okay. Um, Silvery? Uh, I am... I, I didn't... Uh, I, I'm with Shan and Ben, really. I, I, I um, Initially, when I first saw it, I remember thinking, ah, we're going to get... There's going to be a lot of salt as a result of this. Um, and uh, and I, I wasn't particularly edified by it. Um, and uh, But since then, I spoke to... I've spoken to a lot of... Um, people who work in uh, iterative development and uh, a couple of game designers and have been assured that actually things that are labeled pre-alpha, even if they are a couple of weeks before 
release can be uh, extremely janky and uh, and getting what's called a vertical slice, which I gather that that video was, is uh, is quite difficult. Um, I also gather that most video game trailers are nearly entirely faked. Um, and uh, and it is in light of that new knowledge that I view that video and thought, okay, yeah, if, uh, you know, that they, Frontier keep emphasizing that um, that it's getting better every day and that uh, it, it really is, there, you know, um, uh, lots changing now at this stage in development, um, it, then it sort of made me review it. Um, I don't want to say too much about the video because I was much, much more excited by the Q&A that came after it. And I have, and I, well, I really as excited by that as I have been by anything that Frontier have put out about Odyssey so far, I think. Um, the video itself, I, uh, you know, it, is that the sort of response they wanted with those sort of caveats? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I don't think, I don't, I, I wouldn't go as far as negativity, but I certainly didn't find it particularly, um, it didn't leave me really excited. Right, interesting. Um, Crash? Yeah, much the same. I, I wish I could bring my usual level of squee, but like, I, as, as everyone's saying here, it, it does look very unpolished at the moment, which I think we all just need to take that with a pinch of salt and realise that you know, that is the process. That's that's what you're going to see at the moment. I'm, I'm glad that they've shown something. I'm glad that they've you know gone out on the limb and given us something to kind of temper our expectations with what, what we can see coming down, down the line. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wish they had more to show because it does kind of only just scratch the surface of what the possibilities are. Right, okay. Um, now, I mean, just quickly, were there any highlights in there where you thought, oh, that's good, I'm happy with that? The way the ragdolls were... No, I'm joking. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I did like the like the art direction. I, I kudos to the to the team doing the art. They really did their homework on like the uh, the fusion reactor. It genuinely looks like a working prototype of a current day fusion reactor. So I'm quite pleased that they've gone to that level of detail in, in their uh, concept work. Excellent, Suv. Uh, I really like the interiors. I thought they were they were really well done. They looked plausible and um, it was it, it was actually quite magic to see um, to see inside an elite dangerous interior. Like, um, and I don't just I don't I don't mean just a still. Like, we, I've kind of over the last six or seven years, I've kind of got used to the Elite Dangerous experience being a combination of spinning assets in space and um, and my imagination. And actually going into seeing seeing one of those interiors realized um, was, uh, I thought was really magical and seeing NPCs just going about their business, going about their business, their business in the Elite Dangerous universe um, was a really magical moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, ben, you have... Anything to add? Yeah, I think the thing that I was really glad to actually see was, you know, regardless of the fact we don't know whether it was a 0.32 or a 0.41 gravity world, when they did that, when they jumped over something, it was nice to see that that was a they really jumped, and did, you know, there's a big, good low gravity jump that seemed to go a lot further than you would go in 1G. So that that made me quite happy. Yep, right, okay. Uh, and now, Shan. Oh, okay, well, I'll start with the, 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 the positives. I yeah. did like... We're all going to do the negatives later. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not saying negatives. I don't, you wanted impressions. But the, the, the positives, I, I thought the planetary surface was a step above what we've usually seen on ice worlds. Mm. I think you could definitely tell, even at this early stage, they'd worked on that. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, I'm actually looking forward to making even more money teaching NPCs how to shoot straight. Um, 
but in, in all seriousness, you know, it's got potential. I think that's that's kind of the highlight for me is you can kind of see where they're going with it, mm-hmm. and um, we can go into more. We'll go into more detail on it later. But uh, since we're talking about politics, I think that's all. I'll leave it for the moment. Right. Okay. Um, well, personally, for me, um, I was just actually glad to see it in action. Um, I I thought yes, it that'll do me. But then again, I'm not a big um, FPS player, uh, and as far as calling, you know, saying, "Oh, it's it's Mass Effect 2, I thought, "Well, you're comparing it to one of the best RPGs of all time." There, so yeah. Um, so obviously, by the everybody's tone, there was um, some concerns from what you've seen. So we'll start with Shan, uh, and we'll move on to Crash afterwards. Well, there's, there's a number of concerns about it. I mean, the, the first one that sprung to mind is why they chose that particular scenario to showcase the uh, gameplay. Because the, the number of people have asked, well, what about stealth? You know, cause it, what about this? What about doing that? It didn't show any of that. There was no crouching, for example. You couldn't see whether you could jetpack to the top of the, the buildings and snipe from the top of the buildings. There was no alternate way into the reactor to see the stealth mechanic or the typing hacking mechanic, call it what you like. There wasn't, there wasn't anything more detailed than just straight go in, grab the thing, and then run away. Uh, so that's a concern. I'm wondering why is the game at that state of development that that's the most complicated mission they could have shown us? Because I think if it had been slightly more involved, I think the the pushback, the video would have been less because people could see more of the of the detail. In in, in the other concerns, I mean, the AI was. I mean, yes, we know it's it's a work in progress, but the AI was, was dodgy. The shooting was dodgy. I didn't understand why the base didn't try and shoot at the ship that was flying over it, or you know, why aren't why weren't the cameras on in in in, in the base? You know, we have to avoid the cameras to go around it. It was just seemed so 2010, and I just really it needs to go up several levels, I think, to be to be there. And just quickly before Ben. Versus his, um, his thing. I, I, I showed it to the mini shans, and the mini shans are, I think, the demographic that Frontier are going for. They're, they're really like the FPS, they're into the squad shooters, and that's the sort of game they like. And well, the, the first comment was uh, about the game commentary itself, and the game commentary itself was saying, gamers don't talk like that. That's not how, that's not how we talk. That's not how it is. Mm-hmm. And um, he also he also thought the actual mechanics of it was very clunky, and he couldn't see himself playing it for, for long. And, and that's kind of that's a feedback of the mini chance. So anyway, I'll let you uh, get on. Right. Okay, uh, Ben. So first of all, to directly answer why the why Arf was not being shot down by the base defenses. When he fir- when they first showed up, they were all good boys and girls, and so the base didn't want to shoot him. Secondly, when he showed up to pick them up, they'd already pulled the plug in the base's power supply, so there weren't a- there wasn't any power to the guns to shoot at him. But Goliath was independently powered. Goliath was busy targeting the people who had been who'd been being naughty, uh, stealing the power, weren't they? 
Yeah, we saw that they were targeting them. Yeah, at that um, point, at the po- at that point, our um, character hadn't done anything wrong. The other two had, but yeah. Um, yeah. The other uh, so the other thing I would say regarding why they showed that ripple of the mission is that that's probably the most simplistic way to do it. And I would I would argue that there is a. I would argue that they're probably doing it that way round, so that we don't get spoiled for doing it the the more creative ways, shall we say? Yeah, you know, we don't get we don't get spoiled with the the hacking gameplay. We don't get spoiled by going into the command loop, the command uh, command station to silence the alarms and to do all these things. I'm assuming we can do the. You know, we've been told we can do these things. And I'm assuming come the Alpha will be able to do these things. But they weren't wanting to show us that because, you know, they don't want to spoil some of the, you know, all the gameplay. Right. Okay, well, um, we'll jump over to Crash. Yeah, it, it, it could be one or two ways, isn't it? Either they don't want to spoil it or it's not quite ready for prime time yet. But like you were, you were saying earlier on, Colin, um, you saying you you know you didn't play a lot of FPS games. Well, when when I came from uh, playing Frontier on the Amiga, it was the era of Doom and Quake, and I went and that was all I played. I loved my FPS games when when I was at that <laughs> that stage in my life, getting into tournaments and stuff like that. Um, so I I you know I was really looking forward to what was going to be possible with Odyssey, but looking at what I've seen so far, there's nothing that really draws me away, and that they are entering in, in, into an incredibly competitive space. So I'm really concerned that they have not put enough uh, like interesting variation and gameplay ideas into it, which is going to keep me wanting to come back to it. I'm definitely going to play it. I'm going to enjoy it. But I don't think there's going to be enough in there to draw me away from the likes of you know something like Doom Eternal or mm-hmm. one of the other big hitters out there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they're aiming to match that market anyway but uh, I mean my point I was trying to make was about the commentary a lot yeah. of people have complained about the commentary saying uh, Oof, it, yeah we people, people don't talk like that in the games what they were trying to do was they were trying to do a kind of commentary on the game if you like um, you know trying to explain what they're doing in a but I think the way that went about it was in one of those kind of mock SAS documentary type ways, which I didn't think worked. But um, they were trying to get the point across about, you know, these are how the these certain mechanics work. Um, okay, prepare yourself, everybody. Shan, why do you think prepare yourself? I was gonna I was gonna add a quick response to Ben about the. Um... Uh, about what he was saying about um, maybe they kind of they had to do it because it was doing. What I'm what I'm saying is uh, is in this point of the marketing cycle, you want to be building hype. You want to start building the hype to eleven. You want people counting down the days until Alpha comes out. Until that's you want almost a fever pitch. So what you show people almost has to match that level of marketing and hype you want to get. And to suddenly, if you like, drop it down from a, a 10 marketing hype to a 5 through showing this simplistic gameplay seems to go against how you want to market a game. 
and, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. Is that if you're mocking, if you're building up to the 29th, whatever, you want to think, oh my God, did you see when they went through that crawl space and had to deal with the, the bots in the crawl space or all that sort of stuff? You want, the, you want to show everything the engine can do just to kind of build that excitement and get pre orders. I think you're ben. probably right there, Shan, but I also think that. And I, again, we've got no way of knowing if this is what they were thinking, but they might have just been thinking of, ooh, explosion's good, we like Big Boom. I mean, the other thing that I'd like to just point out is that the community has been clamouring for months for, oh, we want to see some gameplay. We want to see some gameplay. And I think in this case, they've they've, they've not rushed, well, they have rushed it, I think, just to pull together something to reassure people that, yes, there is gameplay coming. Yeah, I agree um, with that. I completely agree with that. And, you know, as far as basically a pre-alpha, that's actually okay as far as I'm, well, from my point of view, because I know they've got plenty of wiggle room in order to put this up. Now, it all depends when this build was done. And from what Arthur and everyone was saying, it was quite a while ago. So there's been time for improvement. Now, Crash. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, like I said, I was hypercritical when I went over the video last week, looking at everything that's on there, and I kind of, you know, I I stepped back from that. You know, I was I was being, you know, really really over the top with it. But yeah, there's a lot of things could have changed since that build. Um, there's a lot more that could come with it. I just I wish I could understand the market they are aiming this for if that makes sense it's like who who are they targeting this game at because i don't i don't feel like it's it's us uh, who've been here since the very beginning playing playing a space game but not a lot of us are really interested in that sort of style of gameplay so i wonder who are they really targeting this yeah i, I think i agree with Rash. actually i don't understand fully their target market because clearly it's not the doom eternal market because doom eternal and that ilk of game is above and beyond anything graphically and technically that that, that the uh, Cobra engine can do that we've seen. So it can't be competing graphically and technically with the Doom Eternal lot. And so I would say where they're pitching at is, and I use Mass Effect because that's what it did, did uh, remind me of, the sort of mission they showed us was almost that sort of RPG style mission go there collect a widget come back and get your xp that almost seemed to be the level of what they're going for so i wouldn't say they're after the fps crowd per se they're after if you like the people who enjoy the combat in mass effect well that is that the right choice or am i correct no idea but that's kind of where i'm i'm, I'm speculating with that the other thing that um sprung to mind when i when i saw it is the the guns and stuff didn't seem to have that weighty punch that you expect firearms. You know, if those guns are supposed to damage a ship, then they'll be shooting at a ship a long time. It's ah, but those guns won't harm a ship. We know it's grenades and we know it's explosives. You know where I'm coming from. They, they, they look like phases from Star Trek and Next Generation. You know, they weren't... Yeah, there was no feedback. Yeah. Yeah, soothe then. Um, okay, so I want to just highlight a really, really good point that Bitstorm made a little bit earlier in the chat on Twitch. Uh, he said, with the It's Got Potential comments, Frontier, uh, regarding the It's Got Potential comments, 
Frontier mm. have a history of um, minimal viable product implementations and then moving on to something else. Uh, I think that is a really good point. I, I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to dwell on negativity, but uh, but that Frontier do have form in uh, in in rolling out something that's basically feature complete uh, and and talking about balance passes, but then those balance passes not necessarily happening. Um, and um, it would be an enormous shame if uh, if that was if that was to happen. Uh, then there's another really good comment from the Wintermute who said that uh, when Halo Infinite gameplay was revealed last July, it too was said to be pre-alpha slash an early build. Community response was so critical uh, that the game release was moved from November 2020 to autumn 2021, and it looked better than Odyssey does now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that at the, at the moment, I am, I'm definitely in the camp of uh, its very early days. Frontier felt pressured to show some, some gameplay. Uh, I'm glad they did, but I'm, uh, but I'm trying to be stoic about the fact that it wasn't necessarily uh, overwhelming. Um, but I'm also uh, hopeful that uh, that this time we don't see a minimal viable product that is then not iterated upon properly, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I think that is a fear that everybody within the community, elite community has got. Shan? Yeah, just on that note, would they have been better not showing the PP side, but showing the exploration side of it? So you get out of your ship, you use a Dyson scanner, and so you don't have the combat bit, which everyone can point out and go, that looks from 2010 if you show the exploration bit i think you still get that level of hype and most a lot of elite players that's the part of the game they're looking forward to the most the, the not combat bits what you can do outside of combat so i think if they'd have shown that perhaps uh, the reaction would have been different so i mean what you're you're saying is that they've been focusing a lot on combat uh in all all the development news and and hype that they've built so far and you're wanting something different yes because i think the fear of a lot of existing elite players and you can see it in threads in the forum that all odyssey is is the first person shooter with material collecting and a bit of grind for engineers I, I want to know it's more than that. And seeing that happen, that demonstrates it's more than that. I think we've got a lot more minds at rest than showing what it was, quite frankly, a simplistic mission. Um, right. Well, the, the, the whole point of the simplistic mission, I think, was just to, to demonstrate that there is gameplay coming. I think that from what Arthur and the rest of them have said, is that there's there's so much more stuff coming that they couldn't fit it into one eight minute long video. And trying to highlight trying to highlight these kind of things is well, we've all seen the the whole No Man's Sky hype just go completely out of control, and that's the last thing that they want to happen. Um, Suv, I just want to um, people. People talk a lot about uh, who Odyssey is aimed at, and um, it's not necessarily a, a stupid question. But I think that I don't think it's particularly helpful to compare. You can you can potentially compare the uh, the pace of the experience, um, the like how visceral the gunplay feels, or whatever, to specific games. But in terms of the overall experience, I don't think it's it's useful to compare it to something like Doom Eternal because Doom Eternal's not an MMO. It's not an entire simulated one to one scale galaxy. It's not a sandbox. You know you, you, what this is is what what Odyssey's gunplay needs to be in order to to be a success is fun 
and um uh, decently implemented and not and and of a, a level of plausibility that doesn't undermine the simulationist nature of the game. It doesn't need to be as good as Doom Eternal in in <laughs> X or Y or Z. It doesn't need to be as good as Halo Infinite. It, it, you know, Elite Dangerous is a is a sandbox that allows you to blaze your own trail. Odyssey needs to be fun, not undermine that, and give us a new theater to experience a new theater in which to experience that. It doesn't need to be different. It doesn't need to be more than that. I don't think. Mm. You need um, to show competence, I see. Sorry, yeah, but I, yeah, but I don't think competence is something that Frontier uh, uh, ever lack. I, I think some, sometimes, you know, sometimes features might be might be dumped and then not necessarily iter- iterated on as much as we'd like. But I, d- I definitely think that sort of competence is 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 never really in question. What they what they do is is generally very high quality oh, AI and stuff like that. What it needs to give us is more Lego bricks, basically. Yeah, that's not yeah, a bad we, point. We've, at least, at least, is a series of Lego bricks, and it needs to. Odyssey needs to give us some more bricks, just like Horizons gave us a bunch of new bricks on top of the base game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, more, yeah, more cardboard box fun, as Shan calls it. Yeah. Yes. Um. Well, we'll have to. I think in this case we'll have to wait and see. Um. This is going to be, I think this is quite a contentious question, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. Um, would you rather Odyssey was released uh, on schedule, or would you want them to delay the PC release to sync up with the consoles? Personally, uh, we'd definitely not want them to delay the PC release, because I'm a PC player. <laughs> uh, Speaking of okay. a PC player, I would like them to release the things in times in, in sync with the console. Uh, I would, I'll chuck in a caveat there, though, in that I want us to essentially be in permanent alpha slash beta between now and console slash PC release. So, you know, we can play the, the main game and that's all going fine and it's all doing its thing. Or if we want, we can play Odyssey and it's on its own little branch, its own little thing. And nothing matters in it. It's all it's all beta. You know, you've got your stuff, but it's a beta that's basically going to last all the way through the summer, and is going to have multiple iterations, loads of things we can test. And by the end of it, we there will be a polished version of the game for release to the PC, for release to the console, and for opening up for BGS. Shan. Um, I'm going to vote for delaying it for the console uh, release because I think the industry hopefully had a wake-up call with Cyberpunk 2077. And I'd rather them delay it and have everyone excited at the same time and not just console and PC. Um, And and going on to what Ben was saying about if you like a a semi-permanent alpha beta that goes on until release, I, I think that could work, but the, the trouble is, you, is what then happens, you then split the community. So you have the players who've been there, done that in Elite, and then they act like content locusts and suck the content dry from Odyssey Alpha and Beta, and then when it's actually released, they've got nothing to do, they're bored of it, because they've kind of done everything that's in there. So it's a double-edged, it's a double-edged thing. What I would have preferred them to do is have a closed beta that runs in parallel with that. And 
take feedback from the players in that closed beta and then use that player feedback under NDA and everything, of course, to then make the delay for when the console release worth it. Well, the the main problem that you've got with that is, of course, the in my opinion, the NDA, because it had to be a very small group. Uh, and to be honest, when a game comes out this size, I think you need a, a larger test bed than just um, basically the size of a QA department. You need a lot more. It's it's such a bigger game. Um, ben? Yeah, I'm agreeing completely with what you just said there, Colin. I think, you know, sod the NDA. Let us let us have it. Let us stream it. Frontier actually said on today's stream, we can stream the alpha, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but you were going to say, Colin? Well, see, the thing is, I have a sneaking suspicion that what you wanted, Ben, um, is the way that they're doing it, but they're not actually officially acknowledging it. So basically, we have a a a, a six-week, seven-week alpha, or eight-week mm-hmm. alpha from um, March through to May. Yeah. Uh, after that point, the PC version will go, will be released, so to speak. Cool. Yeah. I use use use. Uh, bunny ear quotes for that, and yeah. uh, and basically they'll carry on refining it while also developing the the console version in tandem, so that by the time the console version comes out, that's the proper version. The PC player will have progress have will have had progression from yeah. May and, through, and that's what I think they. That's why the PC beta, whatever you want to call it, beta gamma, who cares needs to be locked off in its own little universe, doesn't, cannot affect the BGS of the lead game and can't affect power play in the lead, in the main game, can't affect... It just uh, doesn't affect the first-footed in the main game. You know, let me get a bazillion first-footed on Hustle Orbital. That's fine. It doesn't matter, because you know, the only person that matters is some console commander can go off and visit Hudson instead. We don't care. It's all right. It's 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 even for everybody, right? I, okay. I think it's Shan- BF letting letting them go. Right, Shan. Last point, and then we'll move on to the Q and A. Okay. Um, about the I've been watching the comments in Twitch about uh, about the early access and things like that, and I think if if you do the extended alpha beta thing for more than about five or six weeks, you do start to get people worried. Maybe the maybe the game is in eternal. Early access. It's a big stigma in Steam games of games entering early access and never ever being released. And in terms of um, you know, leaks for NDA, the whole point of that closed beta is you have a very few n- number of people who are real kind of you know not streamers, whatever. They're, they're people whose feedback have been valuable in the forum. They know how to give proper feedback to a games company. And you basically use them to, if you like, do a focus group testing um, to move that forward. So I, I, I don't think you can underestimate the effect of letting fans who can be trusted at a game and they're just feeding that in a structured way back into the games company. Because one of the well, interesting things... Well, is- I'm going to have to interrupt you there because the one thing that um, really does get my goat is people, our game companies, who do exploit the fans because um, you're effectively now the paid 
the unpaid QA division. And then on top of that, you've had to pay a, ten, a tenner for the pleasure anyway. Uh, and right. that, I would guess for a tenner. That, that feels a little bit, you know, taking the mickey if, it's gonna, if it was going to be like that. You don't, have to say yes, do you? you don't have to say yes, though, do you? If someone asks you, to, can you I'm please not, test I'm, it for it? You don't have I'm to say not, yes to it. No, exactly. I wouldn't actually say if it was going to be a if it was going to be a different system to the present one we've got at the moment. I wouldn't. I know I haven't bought the alpha for um, any of my other commanders. I know that I've got the alpha as part of the LEP. I don't want to have. To, I want to play the game, play it, and enjoy the game. I don't want to have to test it for them. You guys know that I'm a I'm I'm a fan, but. The, there does come a line. It depends on who they choose and, and how it's done, Colin. But I, I for example, let's, let's you see Fleet Carriers release as an example. If they'd have had a group of players who said at the start, we think the amounts that you're charging people to run a Fleet Carrier are silly and extortionate, um, think of all the rework and hassle they had because they had to go back around the loop and rebalance it. If they'd have had a group of honest players who actually said, hang on a minute, 20 odd billion pounds a month or whatever it was is way too much. You need to rethink this mechanic. If someone had been saying that at the start, what the Emperor's new clothes, it would actually save them time and hassle and everything else like that just to have a group of people who went, I'm not sure this is the right way. And to, like, to be honest, people do it on the forum all the time. They don't, they, dedicate hours and hours and hours of their time to writing open letters and good stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, what's the difference? Okay, um, Suv? I disagree. I don't think... I, I, don't, I don't like the idea, idea of an Evercarty. I don't like the idea of a, of a, a select group of, uh, of people whose feedback is somehow more valuable than anybody else's. I, think, I, I also think it's not un- unnecessary. Frontier have a self-selecting group of the most engaged 5% of players as forum users. Um, the they they pay very close attention to the forums. Uh, they listen to what players say, even if they don't always um, even if they don't always acknowledge what they say. Um, and every bit of feedback goes into the decision making. I, don't, I, I, gen- I, I genuinely don't think that a little group of of ultra nerds is necessary to make those decisions. Uh, right, we're going to close this down now uh, because it, it's got a little heated. Um... And, well, we've got a lot more other things to discuss. Uh, now, along with the video came a... Uh, uh, Gareth was talking... Uh, Martha was interviewing Gareth all the way through. And there was quite a lot of nice little tidbits that came out there as well, which um, answered a few questions that we've been asking about. Um, so the first question was... Um, so this is pre-alpha footage. Uh, we're seeing this in the video. And they just said, yeah, this is the end of phase development where we're starting to balance and polish everything. Um, so they're seeing a, day, a dramatic day-to-day improvement with the quality level going up, up, and up. So that does imply the video that we saw is behind the times. Right. Um, the video shows off one particular mission at one particular site on one particular planet. And this is scaled galaxy-wide. And they say, yep, that's it. They're looking at 27 different settlements spanning six, six different themes, which is agricultural, industrial, extraction, tourism, research, and military. Uh, there's a wide variety of these settlements, each uh, 
with each with their own theme and has unique building types that can facilitate their mission type. We've got a lot more generic missions that work across all these themes. There's a lot more of a variation depending on the planet, the type of faction that currently has ownership of that settlement via the BGS. Now, what's the response to that one then? As I say, we haven't seen all of it for sure, but when they said 27 different settlements, are they talking 27 different layout settlements or 27 different possibilities of settlement? And uh, my, my, my next sort of question on this is that looking at the way the mission played out, they had the guy in the engineer suit and he says, oh, you've got the combat suit. You deal with them while I do this. How is that going to work in single player? Because as a single player, if you go in as an engineer, you obviously can't. So I'm not sure how it works in single player, is what I'm thinking about. Yeah, crash. Yeah, I, I, it goes right, right back to the very first question I asked about back in the Kickstarter. Was It's the same problem all over again. With, and it's a common thing you see with procedurally generated games, is that variation. Is it going to be enough? It, mm. The big numbers are great. They they sell titles, you know, 400 billion. It sounds fantastic. But if it's the same thing multiplied out over and over, it gets repetitive very quickly and people will notice that repetition. And once they've done one particular thing and gone to one particular style of settlement they like, what's to engage them to go back to another one of the same type? Yeah, I mean, that that is... Uh, that was one of the issues with the early builds of No Man's Sky is because basically all the monsters and things began to look the same after the first 10 planets or so. Uh, do you think this is going to be the same kind of thing? Yeah, I, I, I reckon so. It's it's a monumentally difficult thing to do uh, with, with all the best procedural generations technology on, on the planet. Making things which are believably varied is the challenge with any one of those systems. They, they, they've got an absolutely fantastic engine underneath which allows them to build all of these node systems up and, and create all of these uh, wonderful things. But if there's not enough kind of handcrafted variation put into that system, it's mm. going to get very samey. Very quickly, yes. Sean? Yeah, I was thinking what Crash was saying about the procedure generated and types. You have to be quite careful with missions and procedure generation because you could end up with a mission that's actually impossible to be done because of some way the, the base has been laid out in proc gen. So you either have to handcraft them, as Crash saying, in which case it becomes very very easy because you go, oh, this is this is settlement type 22, you get it like this. It's like Guardian Ruins. If you think about it, you've got only a certain number of Guardian Ruins. And mm. once you remember the layout in Guardian Ruins, getting the the puzzle done is actually really easy because you know exactly where all the things was for each type. <laughs> so I think it's, it is a bit of a concern. Um, but then again, their prefab base is made up of prefabbed building blocks, so to speak. So maybe they can do something clever with it. Don't know. Let's see. Well, I mean, there could always be the argument that it's cheaper to the the manufacturers of these these um, settlements. It's cheaper for them to have standard layouts. 
<laughs> you could always go down that route. Um, next, they have, um, could you talk about the kind of NPCs we might encounter in the settlement? Uh, and they say, well, they, they, they split NPCs into two distinct types of behavior. Um, there's the guards, who you will fight against, and then the civilians. Obviously, they're different in terms of loadout and how they act in the settlement. But there's, uh, I think there's a more fundamental thing that drives your interaction interaction with settlement NPCs is the background simulation and your relationship with that faction. If you have a friendly relationship with that faction, you're pretty much free to go anywhere and explore. Maybe you'll find some mission givers that you can interact with. However, if you have a bad relationship with that faction, the the settlement just may end up shooting you on sight, which sounds great to me. I, that sounds a bit silly to me because yeah, I'm a British citizen. So by that logic, you know, I'm in good standing. So I've never been arrested or pulled over or anything. I'm completely legally clean. My, my status in the United Kingdom is clean. Okay, mm-hmm. so but that doesn't mean I can go walking around Porton Down, use a weapons place, really, really, and just kind of poke into every door and stuff like that, just because I haven't done a crime yet. You know, it's uh, I don't know. It's a bit. Well, this, this is, yeah, well, it's something that we'll, we're going to have to look at. I mean, they say here that if you go in shooting, you're going to upset most of friendly NPCs. Uh, as soon as you're killing NPCs without reason, you're a bounty, you've got a bounty straight away, and you're pretty much fair game. Um, I do they walked into the reactor bit, and they cut the bit off the panel, no alarm. They walked into the reactor bit, and... No alarm's gone off. No one was thinking, oh, hang on a minute, there's a couple of shifty people here with their Dyson and their guns out near our reactor. I, I don't know. And if you remember in the 90s, somebody walked into the Queen's bedroom. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to, it's that balance of immersion versus gameplay, isn't it? It reminds me of the old thing. I think it was, was it Elder Scrolls where they accidentally put in an item which was so powerful that NPCs started going, was it the Wabberjack? It was something like that, wasn't it? But it, it demonstrates that idea that you can make a system which is so flexible that it, you can replicate all kinds of real-world scenarios and stuff. But when you actually start playing it, it's just so annoying. And, and if you had this high-security uh, settlement, you, yeah, you wouldn't be able to get anywhere near it. But then there's zero gameplay to be had for, for that area. That's, that's the trouble they've got. They need to make something which is simultaneously believable, but also fun to, to play with. Mm. Um, well, the next question was: Sometimes the NPCs will will ask you to stop for a scan. Uh, can you talk about this? And uh, well, it says they've got exactly the same scanning devices as you as you the players do, and it can pick up your existing criminality. So you might have a cordial relationship with the faction, but if you do something suspicious, they'll scan you with the profile analyzer, and if they detect any in jurisdiction crime, they'll react immediately. You see in the video that some buildings have gatings. Um, there are very few ways to get through that that gate, either via overloading the mechanism. What? That doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever there. But um, you also notice that they're number three above some of the panels. Now, this is the authorization level required. The way you get this authorization is by scanning an NPC that already has it, but you're effectively stealing their identity. NPCs don't like you doing this, and if you get scanned while in possession of this authorization, cloned authorization, they will react. 
They did say that there are lots of ways to approach a settlement. It's not always the case that you have to go in gun blazing. It's also not the case you can't achieve mission objectives that are nefarious by stealthing your way and avoiding criminality that's going to get you in trouble straight away. Well, that's a galaxy's crappiest clone authorization if they can tell the difference, isn't it? I think this is really exciting, personally. I, th- I think all these this Q and A was um, this Q and A was my favourite of the Q and As they've released so far. Um, I love how I love how specific the answers are. I love how straightforward they are. Um, I love the amount of new information we got, um, and uh, I also love the. Uh, it probably speaks more to the kind of games that I like and what kind of player I am. But I also love the potential for um, uh, the, the sort of Role play, world building, immersion side of yeah. things that are going yeah. on, like the the um, uh, the fact that you'll be you, you know that you'll be your reputation with factions informs how those NPCs respond to you. I love that. I abs- that, that that's the experience I want from from Odyssey. I want to be able to land, get out of my ship, um, ideally walking through it, uh, but that's another matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um, un- you know, disembark and be greeted by NPCs who respond to me in a plausible way that is clearly based on on my behavior elsewhere in the sandbox. Um, and yeah. I was really excited to see all that. So basically we land at a, a Hutton Truckers um, outpost. We're all happy with the Hutton Truckers and, and we're, ve- we're greeted in a friendly manner. So, you know, they, they sort Somebody of... Somebody still fought, fought, froze poo in our face. Yeah. <laughs> and it, question, if you've been scanned once, will the NPCs just leave you alone? Well, NPCs can be interested by suspicious stimuli. So, for instance, if they saw you cut that panel on the floor, they'd know that something wasn't right. And if they see you near the panel, they will investigate you. So, and if you've just been scanned, another NPC won't come along and scan you again instantly. But if you're moving through and setting off these stimuli, then they will respond. Now, that, that says to me that you know, one of the reasons they were having to be stealthy uh, and not be noticed is to avoid that very kind of uh, behaviour. Yeah, I thought this was very cool as well. Um, I, lo- I love the, the the potential for um, that. That to me was very um, uh, what's the word? It was it was very like immersive sim, uh, yes. like Deus Ex or Prey or something like that. A question here about uh, other things that players can do to avoid settlement defences, like the turrets and the goliaths. Um, well, what they saw there was was taking the reg, pulling the plug, and taking the regulator will shut down pretty much all the turrets. Have you ever fought a goliath, by the way, in this ship? Yeah, I lost. So the the amount that opening up on the players, you know, I think they had god mode on or something because the goliath just shredded those. Well, I am beginning to wonder whether or not they've got. Um, trouble targeting things that small which would explain a lot because they said they said that it's it's hard to target um it's hard to target small items even with ship weapons and the goliath is ship scale weapons isn't it well it's interesting because when they left the two players behind at the end you see the little hollow squares when they took off so ah it's because it was it's because it was a hatchet job yeah, um, that, that, that so, was because uh, of the hatchet job, Shan. I don't, I don't think that's fair to. Yeah, that that won't be the way it plays. Um, in fact, I'm I'm pretty sure that the blue I'm pretty sure that the blue beam me up Scotty bit under the ship was photoshopped or or done in <laughs> in Microsoft in Microsoft Paint or something like it. <laughs> I I definitely think that the video should be viewed as a as a collage of ideas and uh, and and work in progresses rather than um, 
rather than uh, illustrative of what our experience will be in two or three weeks' time. Hmm. Well, this is one of the most important ones that we've been uh, worried about for the last couple of uh, couple of shows. Um, can you talk about what happens if you fail a mission or die? So they've basically said this: if you die, you fail a mission that you're currently doing. So that's it. End of mission. Um, you get what a choice of one of two things. If you're on foot and you don't have a ship, which is possible in Odyssey, you will spawn at the nearest outpost. If you do have a ship, you will respawn in your ship in orbit or choose the, the nearest port. That's our death mechanic question answered, I think. What do people yeah. think of that? Seems legit. Seems fine. Um, I would, I'd quite like to. I'd, I'd quite like it if all the ports had like a little med bay and when you and when you spawn you appear in the med bay um that would be really cool rather than just when you respawn you just appear in the middle of the flight lounge if that makes sense um uh, star citizen has that kind of thing where you if you lie on a um a bed in the me- in a medical bit uh it sets your respawn point there and it's a simple elegant system that just works um and it and it and it makes sense within the world um so um so I'd quite like that uh, if it doesn't happen, I, I, w- I won't mind particularly. I think I think mechanically, this is a perfectly fair implementation of the death mechanics. I look forward to uh, everybody's explanation of how you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, I don't know if you can't if you can't accept the fact that you're that that respawning is a is a necessary part of playing a video game. Then you know I, I am as much of an immersion hound as as anybody. I'm I'm definitely that kind of player, and even I accept that. So, you know, some some things are just because it's a video game, and that's fine. Yeah. The thing about the, the death mechanic is I understand why they've done it. So your backpack, basically the stuff you picked up in the mission, vanishes yep. when, when, you, when you die. I understand that because, obviously, if you picked up the regulator, you could immediately suicide, appear back on your ship and turn the mission and without having to worry about the escape so i i can kind of see how that cuts that exploit well and um i do remember seeing on the forum a question from ben saying okay well if say sue gets killed with the uh regulator in his backpack does that mean we all fail the mission or can we run back and loot sue's corpse and get the regulator and still carry on in other words is a death and a mission like failing a heist in gta yeah, I, I think it's an interesting... The other side of the coin, when you look at something like this, I don't know if how many of you guys, you've, you've probably all heard of Valheim, haven't you? Uh, it's very popular yeah. at the moment. Um, but the the problem that those guys have got is they've been too nice, in a way, uh, where the, the, it, the game is massively open to exploitation. And that's that's the other side of that coin, where, where you make a system so in favour of the player that exploits occur. You know, like like you're saying, the backpack concept there, that's something which you can very much do in that game. You can literally copy and paste your character file and restore all of your <laughs> all of your items back in your inventory. And that's the sort of thing that in, in a system like like what well, they've got Elite Dangerous, they have to be sure that the mechanics are laid out in such a way to be completely fair and exploit-free. Did they confirm that player corpses will not be leadable? They so- didn't confirm it, but then they didn't deny it either. In other words, if I go around and if I, I don't know, shoot Ben, can I go and nick his spacesuit and all his weapons he's got and then just leave him basically in his underpants? 
If I do that to Shan, can I have his Tesla? You can you can try, I guess, Suv. Uh, I Although in the virtual environment, we're not advocating real-life shootings here. He wouldn't be able to drive it anyway. He wouldn't let him. Oh, we've I mean, got you'd, be, you'd be abandoned on the side of the road in your underpants with your backpack empty, so... It wouldn't matter. You wouldn't be able to get away in it. I do have a driver's license. <laughs> you wouldn't, get, it wouldn't let you. Oh, is it like Night Rider? Will it, will it, <laughs> is it set to only only respond to your fingerprints or something? Kind of. You can't drive off unless you put a pin in. Pin in. Nice. Open the door. I'm afraid I can't do that, Shan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, talk about the um, the, the open the Tesla doors, Elon. <laughs> Sorry, Shan, go on. Talking about the um. Uh, the death mechanic in in that in that Vanaheim, was it called a crash? It, uh, yeah, Coop's corpse looting can be a complete griefing pain in the bum. You know, you go around collecting all these weapons, and then someone kills you and robs your stuff. So I can understand why it is not that, but I, I do think being able to pick up a mission objective and therefore continue the mission without a fallen player. I, I kind of think that's essential. Yeah, I'm with you there, Shan, which is why I asked it. And I asked it again, actually, during today's stream, but either was pointedly ignored or I they didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't go and do what some people do. I didn't go and ask it 20 times because it didn't get answered. But I did ask it the once and no answer. Uh, and I will continue asking inappropriate forums. Mm. Well, um, one thing that they have said, um, I'm just going to quickly go through a couple of the other questions. Um, the NPCs in the video weren't so tough compared to the others. Can you talk about NPC difficulty? And this relates to the classic kill question. Um, the answer is incredible, variable, as it's all gear-driven. Um, Arth has said since then that they had a, oh, Sue, have you got a death question? Uh, you, yeah, I mean, you can move on if you want. I, I just, no, no, I just no. Just people are talking about whether whether the mission will fail if one person dies. I don't see any reason to to think that this will be any different to how wing missions work in the base game. Um, mm. I think a, I think a wing mission will work exactly the same as wing missions do in the base game. Now, if one of you dies, you you just respawn at a, a space station and off and off you go, and the mission's unchanged. Um, I it, get, in in a wing mission. Sorry, I haven't done a wing mission for for ages so please excuse me if i've if i've um forgotten that but if you had a wing mission to collect so many black boxes for example if yeah. your ship gets blown up and the black boxes are lost do you get opportunities to spawn more black boxes to make up for that so you can still carry on with the mission or is the fact you've been blown up last the black boxes does that mean you can't possibly hit the total that the mission wants if the, it, it if the cargo is mission specific, then you've then the mission is automatically failed, and I and I and I wouldn't surprise me if Odyssey was the same. Yeah, I, I think as far as wing missions are concerned, it's basically the only time you fail it really is if you have a party wipe. Okay, well, what I'm going to do is because we're beginning to run out of time, um, the rest of the questions and the stuff, I think we will um, hold over to next week, uh, and and do a little bit more um, in-depth analysis of, of some of the stuff that's coming our way. 
um, because hopefully there'll be even more to talk, uh, to talk about then. I've, I just had a quick look around the community to to see how this was reacted, uh, the uh, the videos reacted to. Um, we can basically agree that the pilot, um, he was not a fan of what he saw. Um, down to Earth Astronomy did uh, another deep dive. He seemed a little bit more positive, as did the Sidian Ant and Commander Plater. It must be pointed out, it's not overwhelmingly, oh, this is going to be great, but it is, yep, this looks like it's going to be okay. Um, Yamix, of course, absolutely hated it, but then again, what do you expect? Um, so I'm going to ask everybody, is this really, has it given you enough to look forward to um, on uh, for Odyssey, for the 29th? Uh, the Q and A did definitely. The Q and A was was really exciting. That definitely made me um, excited for the twenty ninth. Okay, Shan. Um, it's made me look forward to see how much they've improved it from this video. In, in other words, I'm completely aware and appreciate what we saw was a early alpha build, and what we'll see on the twenty ninth will hopefully be significantly different. And it's the difference between what we saw last Thursday and what we are playing on the 29th. That is what I'm looking forward to. Ben, have you got um, any Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what we get. What I saw didn't cover me with all the excitement, but I'm looking forward to seeing what we didn't see. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, Crash, did... Did you squee, or was it a, was it a kind of muted squee? I, I wish I could say I did. And I, I, I'm sat on the fence. I, I really want it to be good, um, but what I've seen so far doesn't tell me that it's going to be. Um, I, I see the potential. I think there's there's hope that they could have be doing a lot more since when they recorded this video. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to what's going to come. Uh, but there's nothing really jumping out to me yet is I'm going to be playing this for a long, long time. Hey, what did you think? What did I think? Um, well, I was perfectly satisfied with it. But then again, I probably have low standards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, no, I wasn't. I was, I'll agree though. There were some things that um, uh, I did notice that I thought, well, ooh, that's, that's going to be um, a little bit of a, uh, a pain and I was disappointed that there wasn't a stun mechanic not a um, I basically killed them instead of stunning them I've heard that the knockout functionality or you know putting somebody to sleep or however you want to say it mm-hmm. is raising peggy issues apparently because if you if I knock someone out yes and then I go off and shoot them. That's classified as an execution, uh, and that's that makes the game an eighteen. Right. Okay. Uh, yes. I also want to just quickly point out. You know, I went off and I think on Saturday I listened to the breakdown in Elite Week, and they were. You know, I think they were fairly much on the fence as well. You know, mm-hmm. negative with negative for a lot of the negative that we've all heard. But you know, super positive on think on things that deserve to get praise, like the the planetary tech, for example. So, so it's it was, I, it was fairly it, balanced. It's ironic that the <laughs> the stun mechanics not in there because you have the potential to be an executioner. 
but effectively that forces you to be an executioner anyway. Who knows what the final solution is going to be? I think a lot of people are asking for some way to stun folks. Um, And maybe they'll be, well, sorry, but you've downed him, therefore you you can't shoot him or something like that. You can't kick him when they're down. Maybe they'll implement something like that. Walking up to an NPC and killing them with a headshot at point-blank range doesn't class as an execution. Okay, fine. As long as they're alive, apparently not. Uh, Yeah, that that does sound a bit... uh, Because you um, can do that in Dussex, but Dussex... Is Dussex 18? Dussex is an 18. It is. Is it? Yep. And Chris uh, mentioned from the back room that this is exactly the same reason why you can't use the plasma cutter to chop off somebody's arm. And that's why Jedi Knight has been ruined. <laughs> I'd much rather they raise the age, rate, uh, age rating, because that stuff's brilliant. Why, what's wrong with making it an 18? You, you lock it out of the... You lock it out of the... Um, console kiddies. Uh, well, you, the console kiddies whose mummies are evil and, was, you know, and actually listen to things. People can't legally play something that they've that they've purchased. If you if you raise the age rating and people have already purchased it, they won't legally be able to play it anymore. And, and how many fourteen year olds actually comply? With I that? agree, and, and and that sort of information should drive decisions. But I but that would be the reasoning, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to leave this. Um, I'm going to leave this with the final point by uh, Mockerin. He said that there aren't many games where an expansion is a completely different game type. Um, I have to keep reminding myself of that i want it to be great and ultimately i think it'd be a good platform to build on in the future and that's it it's it's basically they're putting in space legs there's only star citizen and um no man's sky that have done this so far i mean has dual universe gone down to this level uh yeah it does um it's dual universe is basically another minecraft game Right. I, I think what we'll we'll do is um, we'll move on for the moment uh, and cover some other um, community issues. Uh, Hutton, well, technically Canon the Fuel Rats, goes to the Atlantic. Um, Vintian from the Hutton Orbital Truckers has provided us with an excellent update on the ongoing voyages of the MPV Everest. The best part is that the ship's log now officially contains we have fuel, you don't, any questions. The, the notes that I included with with it is basically you know an excerpt from the ship's log, and yeah, you know, they've got obviously all the days where they've got all the logs because you know you do this yep. kind of thing every day. But you know the one that I highlighted, we have fuel, we have sh- we have fuel. You don't any questions because that's awesome. <laughs> it is yes, you are uh, no. And they were yeah, and when they asked when they sent that, they were basically offloading about. You know, they were going to spend the next two days basically offloading fuel to one of the bases in the Antarctic. That's cool. you got to yeah. admit, that is cool. Um, yes, fleet carrier um, Konsu XLF-5XY is now stationed at uh, Varati, ready for its departure on the first waypoint of the Comfy Cannon Cruise on the 14th of March at 3... Uh, 1500 hours UTC. Uh, for more information, uh, please visit the link that we're going to supply in the uh, in the show notes if you want details. Um, I take it the comfy cannon 
Canon Cruise is going to be v- uh, visiting various uh, spots made famous by Canon? Okay, so you know how Canon are doing the the Canon Cruise where they basically go around the entire galaxy and mm-hmm. you visit one of everything. Literally oh, yeah, one right. of everything. Yeah, yes. that, that, so that's what, that's what they're doing. The Comfy Cranon Cruise is when you get on a fleet carrier and it takes you to them. <laughs> so basically, it's, it's um, the Canon Cruise for, for lazy people. Essentially. <laughs> I, I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea. I love it. Um, I'm not entirely sure how long it's going to take the guys, but I think it's an excellent idea. Yeah. It's a, it's a really know. good idea. Yeah, I mean, wow! It's according to this, the Canon Cruise itself. <laughs> let me get this right. Um, let's see. They are visiting each of the 124 waypoints on the Canon Challenge. The trip is going to take five, four to five months. It covers 448,000 light years through a thousand and six systems. So one for the long haul, guys. I mean, that's going to take longer than, than going to be Point and back, you know, and Distant Worlds 2 did. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was you guys out for, a, what, six months? Pretty much. December yeah. to March, wasn't it? So, it was from quite, something like that, quite a while. Well worth it's it, though. Leisurely, I think, when I described Distant Worlds. It was leisurely. Leisurely, yeah. yes. I think that, that's the best way to do it. Um, right. Has anybody got any other business they'd like to discuss before I close out for the evening? I, I think this this week is a bit of a record, Colin. In what way, Sean? Well, the um, the sensibility rating has been extremely high this week. It's been hardly any silliness or innuendo or stupid. Yeah. It's all been very mature, well thought out. And considerate conversation. You haven't felt um, the need to apologise for any of us. Boobies, <laughs> boobies, 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 boobies. I would like well. to follow up with the, uh, the the question for the community this week, which is: um, if you had to eat a member of Frontier Development, which <laughs> member of Frontier Developments would you eat, and why? You say which Frontier Development member would you eat? I will just have to point out that I have had to uh, apologise to Obsidian Ant about the fact that someone wants to challenge him to a mud wrestling match at LeafCon. Um, however, um, he says he's up for it, so he'd like a mud pit at LeafCon. Done. So who's he going to be fighting? Is it going to be him versus Yannick or something? or what? <laughs> I have no idea. If anybody wants to bring along a mud pit to LeafCon, I'm quite well, sure... Well, all, can... with, with all due respect to Obsidian Ant, it'd be like... Um, do you remember when the wrestlers, I think it's a, uh, a southern United States event, where they try and catch a grease pig? When it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like trying to catch a grease ant, wouldn't it? It's just like, anyway... Right. Okay. Oh, that's, another, that's another event. That's the next event. <laughs> right. <laughs> pay, extra, pay extra and try and catch the squeeing crash. <laughs> yeah. please, please note this is only available to platinum subscribers. DLC for that. Well, the, the question I was going to ask was, um, what do you think other people's, uh, other members of the crew's uh, <laughs> theme tune should be as they walk out to present themselves at LaveCon? Because we've got we've got Suves, so we need suggestions for the others. Benny Hill. 
End of the other. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Ken and sorry, I think Collins would be uh, the two Ronnies theme because no, I Collins would be one foot in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Not wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't believe it. For <laughs> you, the like. So we're going to come out with with something. I don't know. Maybe the Russian national anthem under Stalin for for Shan. I don't know. Ooh, well, that's, I, yeah, that's good. I, I'm quite partial to the Imperial March for Star Wars, but here we go. Uh, yes, the Imperial March would be good for Shan. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think that's. Bitstorm that's says Steptoe and Son. <laughs> Steptoe and Son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can I can see that now. Oh, by the way, this is something that that made me laugh. Um, uh, I was watching a, a YouTube video uh, about uh, the way the VR community reacts to people who join in VR chat and things like that. And apparently, um, people who play Elite Dangerous are known as Elite Dangerous Grandads. That's so so accurate. That's, That's so accurate. Wow. Yes. Uh, if you play Elite Dangerous, you're a granddad, apparently, according to, to people in uh, VR chat. But the description of it was so accurate as well, because it was the description was, uh, these people probably don't play any other games. Um, they they have uh, sim pits on their desks. They've got all the, the all the clobber. They've bought the hot ass and all that sort of thing. Uh, and I was like, yes, yes, that's me. I'm not that's even a granddad. DTS. Yes, that's yes, that's DTS players. But um, the yeah, thing is, though, if, is yeah. if, that is, if that is the demographic of the game, you know the 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 married with you know, two kids and whatever, then it kind of begs the question: Why can't we knock people out and shoot them? Because we're all over eighteen. On that note, uh, I think I shall give uh, go through the shout-outs. So first of all, to our sister station, the Hutton Orbital Radio, it broadcasts on a Thursday at uh, uh, half past eight uh, p.m. You can tune in at twitch.tv slash Hutton Orbital Truckers or if you want the audio just go to radio.forthemug.com For the discerning commander that likes a bit of CQC action check out the CQC Discord at discord.me slash elite dangerous CQC For those of you who would like a literary discussion about science fiction and fantasy books please subscribe to the Data Slate podcast who's created by station commander Alan Stroud uh, we'll also give shout-outs to the following Elite Dangerous podcasts, which have appeared over the last year or so. Uh, so that's Loose Screws, Elite Week, uh, Flight Assist, uh, there's Elite Cast the, for the Spanish speakers, there's a Canon podcast, the Fatherhood podcast, Squeaking Fuel, the Guard Frequency, we do other space com- sims as well, Algorab AM, an Elite Dangerous podcast. And what did you say the new one was, Suv? It's called System Chat. System Chat. So, hello to System Chat, where we know you're out there. I'll have to have a listen. That's Boss Lady B and Jez, is it? Yeah. Well, following this, we have the latest Galnet News Digest, as provided by Commander Witherspoon, with contributions from Commander Beetlejude. Uh, and we'd just like to thank everybody who's chipped in in the Twitch chat and any in-game commanders that have buzzed Ben, who have been who. So, we've got. I've been flying with Miggles, Mac Winston... And a brand new commander slash listener, Oblivious, Oblivious eighty eight. So shout out to those those guys. They've been helping me pew pew things here in Why So Serious. 
Excellent. That's good news. Um, so that is it for another episode of Live Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email at info at laveradio.com, hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio, tweet us at laveradio. You can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders can come out and chat, and you can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Now, do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 830 G and yes, yeah, GMT at the moment, uh, and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Crash, thanks to Ben, thanks to Suve, and thanks to Shan. And special thanks today is for today's tech specialist, the Chris Mark IV. So until next time, commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Forget the Uranus talk. This is the new outro. According to uh, scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. You've been dying for something to replace your Uranus. I think you're right, though, Colin. (laughs) What have you done with Shan, and when can we have him back? I don't know. I'm quite attached to this one, to be honest. Yeah, that that butt-clenching really was awesome. Galnet News Digest, 9th of March, 3307. We read the news, so you don't have to. In this week's news, Sirius criticised over a Laylap's lapse. The rack of the Hesperus. E is for taking. F is for hacking. G is for Gareth. Sirius criticised over Laylap's lapse. Sirius Corporation has come in for criticism over its handling of the ongoing exercise to supply the Galactic Summit with food and drink. 
After eating all those rare goods ordered in before the summit started, those attending the Galactic Summit have decided they'd like something a little simpler, but still want it all in unfeasibly large quantities. And so, the host has ordered a vast amount of animal meat, coffee, fish, fruit and vegetables, and wine. But in order to avoid congestion at Patterson Enterprise, where the summit is being held, deliveries are to the megaship Spirit of Laylaps, which is also the command centre for the pirate suppression operation in Sirius and the neighbouring systems. With only seven landing pads, and only one of them large and with reports of pad blocking as delivery drivers get out of their ships to have a walk around the station and buy a MacThargoid's unhappy meal. There have been reports of whole consignments of fish rotting as the transport awaits docking clearance, and of commanders breaking into the supplies of coffee, and then zooming erratically around the station, bumping into things. There are also rumours that some pilots have been drinking the wine they have brought from Epsilon Indy, peeing into the bottle and then putting the cork back in. It's hard to tell if this is true, because if anything, it slightly improves the flavour of the wine. Inhabitants of Epsilon India and Epsilon Eridani, who have seen their entire harvests bought up at inflated prices, have had nothing to eat, and have had to fall back on eating flavourless packets of nutrients known as food cartridges, locally known as pop-tarts. With 192 million tonnes of coffee, animal meat, fish, fruit and veg and wine sitting there waiting to be consumed during the last week of the summit, the galactic leaders in Sirius are likely to have trouble fitting through the airlock when they leave for home at the end of next week. Perhaps Pirate King Archon Delane, who is now present at the summit, will help them distribute the surplus food to the needy. The Rack of the Hesperus. An unexplained image is getting commanders to rack their brains for a possible meaning. The photograph, apparently taken at close quarters, shows a crate, apparently flying away from a Thargoid Medusa interceptor. In the bottom left corner of the image are the words System Malfunction and in Morse, Hesperus. What could this mean? It doesn't sound like the name of a new Thargoid because they're named after mythical beasts. Medusa, Cyclops, Hydra, Basilisk, Orthrus, Unicorn, and so on. Hesperus is also from Greek mythology, but is the son of the goddess of dawn, Eos, and half-brother of Phosphorus, the ancient Greek god of SRV refueling. Could it be the name of a ship, or of a megaship? Perhaps a generation ship? Hesperus has been used many times before, not least for a famous wreck in a poem by Longfellow, in which the captain foolishly sails into a hurricane with the loss of everyone on board, including his daughter, who's found the next day tied to the mast, but drowned. And the Medusa is also a famous wreck, with the survivors left clinging to an inadequate raft. They didn't have remlocks back then. Hesperus can also refer to the west, or to the evening, and thus the evening star, the planet Venus. However, we now have another clue. A second message, also in Morse, intercepted on the 9th of March, reads Azimuth. Azimuth Chemicals was the sponsor of the planetary survey in Musca Dark Region PJ-PB6-1, the survey that discovered Thargoid barnacles in the Corsac Nebula. 
The survey that was supposed to be rescued by the megaship Adamaster. The survey that was betrayed by Azimuth and the cause of the interactions that may have set the tone for humankind's interaction with Thargoids for the next two centuries. Are we soon to find out more about the now-defunct Azimuth Chemicals' history and humankind's first contacts with Thargoids? Is it going to be a happy tale to counterpoint the rather downbeat conclusion of the Adamaster story? I wouldn't count on that last bit. E is for taking, F is for hacking, G is for Gareth. With less than three weeks to go before the Pilots' Federation starts trialling Odyssey permits for commanders with the PC flight control system, its chief negotiator, Gareth Hughes, has revealed a little more about how it'll all work. Here's what he said. Question. Are landable planets still being prepared for the permits? That's right. We're busy balancing and polishing everything. Some of the settlements look pretty grubby. There's a bit of brasso and some elbow grease, and they're coming up lovely. We've seen one mission on one site on one planet. Will we be able to take other missions at other settlements on other planets, galaxy-wide? That's it. There are 27 different settlement types, spanning six different themes. Agricultural, industrial, extraction, tourism, research and military. There's a really wide variety of settlements, with unique building types and mission types. There's lots of variation depending on the planet and the type of faction that currently has ownership of the settlement. As an example, you may be tasked to get a settlement back online by bringing up the power. You may need to depressurize buildings to put fires out, and you may need to deal with scavengers who are trying to stop you. What kind of inhabitant might we encounter at a settlement? From a pilot's perspective, there are broadly two types of inhabitant. There's guards and civilians. Obviously, they're different in terms of loadout and how they act in the settlement. If you have a friendly relationship with a controlling faction, then you're free to pretty much go anywhere and explore. Maybe you'll find some mission givers there that you can interact with. However, if you have a bad relationship with that faction, that settlement might just shoot you on sight. But of course, if you go in shooting, you're going to upset even the most friendly inhabitants. You'll get bounty straight away and you're pretty much fair game. However, if you detected doing something that's going to elicit a hostile response, the message has to be radioed out and you can intervene to stop the message being sent. If the guards ask you to stop for a scan, what do you do? They have the same scanning device you do, and it can pick up on your existing criminal status. You might have a cordial relationship with the faction, but if you do something suspicious, they'll scan you with the profile analyzer, and if they detect an in-jurisdiction crime on you, then they will react immediately. If you're standing suspiciously near a crime scene, for example, a damaged panel, you're likely to get scanned. There are also prohibited areas in some buildings. If you really want to get in, you can cut open the control box and overload the mechanism. Or you can steal the identity of someone who is a high enough authority level by scanning them. The inhabitants don't like you doing this, and if they find you using a cloned identity, they will get quite cross. You can also buy a one-use hacking device to get in, but that's quite expensive. Can you avoid settlement defences like turrets and goliaths? Yes. Removing the reactor regulator will shut down pretty much everything, like turrets. But of course, that will make the guards cross. Command building often has multiple consoles that you can access to turn off various security systems. If you're patient, you can scan the guards 
understand the patrol routes, apply some mods to your suit to make you more stealthy, or use a silenced weapon if you don't want to firefight. If you're detected in an area that you don't belong, they'll warn you and fine you at first, but if you're persistent, things will get more aggressive. Missions like sabotage and heist may give a bonus payment if you're not discovered or if you don't kill anybody. What happens when you die? If you die, you fail the mission and you'll lose all the equipment you had in the backpack at that time. But you can be resurrected. If you're on foot and you don't have a ship, you'll be regenerated at the nearest port or outpost. If you do have a ship, you can choose to be regenerated in your ship instead. If your ship is on the planet's surface, not safely docked, it'll be moved to orbit for your safety. Are guards easy to kill? It depends on how experienced they are and what sort of weapons you all have. If you scan them, you can tell how difficult an opponent they're likely to be. Harder missions come with tougher opponents and better rewards. Can you talk about the different suits we can wear? Utility suits are the ones you wear if you want to carry a lot of tools. The tactical suit lets you carry two weapons, so it's better for conflicts. And then there's the suit for botanists and flower collectors. But we're not talking about them yet. You need to manage the power on all suits. The life support machine, the shield, which is power-hungry when turned on, and some of the tools use your suit power. There are places in settlements where you can recharge your suit, but if you're out exploring, you need to manage your suit power carefully. You also need to keep a close eye on your environment. If you're in really extreme temperatures, you'll be taking physical damage. You can disembark somewhere on the planet with safe temperatures, but you can quite quickly end up somewhere where the temperature is much hotter and find yourself in danger. What are the different types of weapons? Kinetic weapons are good against armour, lasers are good against shields, and plasma weapons are the all-rounders. You may want lasers to take out shields and kinetic weapons to finish them off. If you're working as a team, each team member can specialise. Most importantly, can we now use the autopilot to land on planetary surfaces? Yes, you can now automatically land on planet surfaces using the docking computer. That's surely worth the price of the permit on its own. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs>